What a letdown. Jilloat had been looking forward to a visit to the row all week. It was the absolute highlight of living in the city again. Sardar and Medu might be busy and dirty, crime-ridden and chaotic, but hidden within all the rough was a shining diamond. The Nighttime Economy Guild was amongst the first to collapse with the unrest. Unlike some of the surviving guilds, it was very poorly managed. Teddy, the guildmaster, was an entertainment connoisseur. In the sense that he knew how to throw a hell of a party. Unfortunately, he had little business acumen and lost all of his franchises and most of his personal property through poor financial management and grandiose projects. Fortunately, his relatives from Turk had arrived just in time and got a grip of what was left of the business. This fruitful partnership of effective management and creative flair had resulted in the reinvigoration of the greatest bawdy house on Latari, the Row of Rigid Spears. It was pristinely clean, elegantly decorated. The staff were trained in a variety of arts, and everyone, down to the glass collectors and the cleaners, were taught to understand their job as part of the performance, a voice within a soulful choir, or a step within an elegant dance. You never felt like you were in a brothel whilst you were there. It was more like living and breathing within a poem. The atmosphere within the place could be made to feel almost holy at times. Somewhere one could unburden themselves of their earthly concerns. And no one made trouble at the row. Ever. This was partly because no one wanted to spoil the place, but was mostly because of the rumours. It was said that the row had a spirit of its own, a powerful and ancient one, and that it could read your mind and see into your soul. If you planned to cause trouble at the row, bad things would happen to you. Jilloat knew that this was nonsense, of course, but it was a special kind of deep magic for which he had the greatest respect. The power to manipulate thought with suggestion and innuendo. Far subtler and often more effective than the esoteric arts. Right now, though, the row of rigid spears felt cold and empty. Nilfeet was away, and the song and dance of the place felt lifeless and transparent. No one else seemed to mind. The clientele was still enraptured, enjoying the performances and the seductive company and conversation of the performers. Scarlet seemed well into the swing of things too. Jilloat almost felt like he was putting a downer on things. She had thrown down the gauntlet by ordering six shots of Dranekian potato wine, grabbing the two nearest warm bodies and making a beeline for the Wotha den. Hmm? Jill wasn't even sure that the Saurian gentleman worked at the row, but he was more than obliging. 
Jill had been sitting sour-faced in the corner of their booth, taking the odd drag on the nargile, while Skirlet fumbled with Dex, the blonde-haired half-mix, and Skirlet's favourite girl, as well as the very surprised, aroused and compliant Saurian, who had introduced himself as Vozu, before getting set upon like a bowl of Breskin. Skirlet had given Jill the encouraging eye once or twice, but he was just not in the mood. Once things started to get heavy in the booth, Jill realised he would have to either shit or get off the pot. He opted for the latter. Maybe he could have mustered the will to get involved, but he wasn't too keen on Saurian men. To his mind, the hemipene gave them an unfair advantage, and he didn't have it in him to try and up his game just to compensate for a self-conscious ego. Pulling his crossed feet in, Jillowat pushed himself to a standing position in a single agile movement, carefully avoiding the menage and stepping over the cushions and pillows scattered about the den. He made his way back to the entertainment area and sat at the bar. Two almost completely naked wren were dancing gracefully on the stage in a powerful and acrobatic display while someone from the balcony caused the ambient light of the room to flicker and change colour, meandering their way through the rainbow by using coloured screens and flash-burning a variety of powders. It occurred to Jill that the smell up there must be acrid, but there was barely a hint of anything other than the intoxicating, perfumed air on the lower levels. He was not enjoying himself at all. In the harsh light of whatever grounding attunement had taken him, the kimono had been pulled back, and the uncanniness and absurdity of the place laid bare. It was an expensive illusion, designed to pacify you enough to hand over your gold. Not too dissimilar to how his father had taught him to reassure cattle before the slaughter. The meat strained if they were panicked. You had to make them feel loved and safe before you. Jillowat caught his thoughts as they spiralled. What was wrong with him today? Where was this coming from? Are you okay, Levi, now? Asked the bartender in a soft and comforting voice, using the near archaic augmentative after his family name to give a sense of surreality, mystery and grandeur to the exchange. Jillowat tried to muster a smile but he could not make it reach his eyes. Hey, Leda. I'm good. Just tired, I think. Had a long meeting. Was hoping to see Nell tonight, but I guess she's busy. He complained. Leda leant towards Jill, resting her arms on the black, marble-esque surface of the bar and pushing her breasts up, causing her exposed cleavage to swell almost spilling out of her corset. Her straightened black hair flowed beautifully across her face and tickled the bare flesh of her unprotected chest as she lowered her head. She moved her hand gently across to touch Jill's hand, but recoiled sharply as she made contact with his flesh. Lita recovered quickly and enclosed Jill's hand with both of hers. You are so cold, Levi, now. You should stop thinking about work. The stress isn't good for you. She said as she lifted Jill's hand up towards her mouth. 
She slowly moved her plump, darkened lips towards his fingers and let her warm breath bathe them, allowing her lips to gently brush the tips. Why don't you let me warm you up? Leader almost purred as she spoke the words. It's not right to see sad faces or cold bodies at the well. She began gently nestling Jill's fingers with the tip of her nose. Let me look after you. Her soft and shadowed brown eyes beckoned him, and she kissed his frigid hand before resting it against her warm, reddened cheeks. Jillowat felt nothing. It was almost as if he had disassociated from his body. He recognised and even enjoyed Leda's attention and seduction. More aptly, he recognised that he would, or that he should, but he felt empty. And her act felt like an echo or a reflection. Distant. Numb. As if mediated by something. It reminded him of the weeks and months in the aftermath of the gap. Scarlet had put it down to exhaustion, but he wasn't so sure. The feeling kept returning, and with ever greater frequency. Jillowat's hands and feet began to feel colder. The icy sensation creeping its way painfully from his fingertips, through his hands, up his forearms to his elbow. The bitter chill cutting through his bone. He felt his consciousness begin to falter and flicker. His vision became warped and obscured, as if watching the world through the wrong end of a spyglass. He watched as Leda's distant, rouged face began to grey and pale. Her hair also bleaching white. She appeared frozen in time. The locomotion of her body paused, whilst it underwent a sudden transformation. Her flesh quickly began to peel away from her face and her hands, rotting away her plump lips and exposing her teeth, which then began to fall from the perch in her jaw. Jill could smell the swamp again, filling his nostrils with... Get off me! You're hurting me! Leader's voice cut through the deafening silence in his ears. Jillowat jerked his head up quickly to look at her, his gaze having somehow dropped and fixated on their enjoined hands. Her imagined disfigurements had vanished, but Jill was squeezing tightly, and something was wrong with his arm. Jill struggled to relinquish his grip, and although he had only caught a glimpse of it, his hand looked withered and shriveled. Leader looked into Jill's face, her features contorting into an expression of panic and horror as she screamed, Jillowat released his grip suddenly and found his consciousness return fully to the room. The music and performance behind him had stopped and his emotions came rushing back to him with the force of the tide. His own horror and shame collided as he watched Leda fall to the ground and begin to scramble away from him in horror. Leda, shit, I am so sorry. Jillowat began, tripping over his own words, reaching over the bar to offer his hand the appearance of which had returned to normal. Leda scrambled even more frantically as his hand approached and she shrieked. What are you? Before Jill could respond, he felt a powerful hand gripping his shoulder from behind, 
pulling him with tremendous force backwards over the bar stool. As the stool clattered to the ground and Jilloat staggered back, he felt powerful arms wrap around his neck and a forceful grip on the hair on the back of his head. As he felt the grip tighten, vice-like, around his throat and cut off his breath and blood, a primal fear coursed through him, causing a conditioned defensive response. Jilloat dropped his weight immediately and felt the balance of his powerful assailant shift suddenly. As the attacker attempted to compensate by jerking backwards, Jill reached his arm back to find the leg of the enemy, forced his hips back into their groin, provoking a sharp grunt. Jill quickly swept a leg back between the feet of the assailant, making a tight outward sweeping movement with his boot, striking the heel of his attacker as he swung his own leg back inwards. Jillowat held tightly to the man's trouser leg at the knee and drove all of his weight onto that side of the attacker's body. The powerful body collapsed on Jillowat's unexpected counterattack, dragging both of them to the ground. The attacker struck their head forcefully against the hard floor, releasing their grip momentarily. Jill attempted to roll out of the potent grasp, but was not fast enough to escape. The muscular arms wrapped around his body, clasping hands together in front of Jill's chest and dragging him on top of the supine assailant. Jillowat's throat was no longer being crushed, and he could now think clearly, but there was little he could do to escape the formidable grapple as his attacker's legs wrapped around his waist and began to squeeze the air out of him once again. Jillowat thrashed and struggled to no avail, and was helpless to resist as another security guard bounded toward him, drawing a concealed stiletto blade from a pocket. Jill bridged with his body and attempted to buck with all of his might, but he was held far too tightly. The black-clad security guard drove the knife down again and again and again into Jillowat's lower body, into his abdomen, leg and groin. Jillowat knew he must be in shock. He could feel the impact, but he felt nothing of the pain. He had stopped kicking now, tensing up and trying to draw his legs into a protective shield. Jillowat observed the armed security guard taking a momentary step back and looking quizzically at the still clean blade in their hand. The look of surprise on the guard's face lasted only a fraction of a moment. His features slackened rapidly as his chest exploded outwards, scattering piping hot flesh, shattered bone and viscera all over the bar, walls, ceiling and floor. Most of which saturated the still struggling and supine forms of Jill and his other attacker. The booming, thunderous crack and the blinding blue flash which had accompanied the drenching gore and the smell of burning hair was enough to shock Jill's erstwhile assailant into a momentary daze. Jillowat would not allow the opportunity to go to waste. He drove his head back as hard as he could into the nose of the man, who immediately released his grip in order to protect the nurse's shattered beak. Jillowat nimbly rolled to the side, escaping his opponent's leg guard. As he attempted to stand and regain his footing, 
Jill slipped repeatedly in the slick blood which now coated everything in a ten-foot radius, and which continued to pump out of the fist-sized hole in the back and chest of the dead guard. Jill's eyes were covered in the stuff, and he struggled to see much of anything. However, as he cleared the entrails and blood from his eyes with the inside of his elbow, he saw Skirlet standing on the walkway between the entertainment area and the Wotha den, around 30 feet behind the corpse of the armed security man. She was stripped to the waist and her trousers were unbuttoned, exposing her breasts and underwear, as well as her body's many tattoos and scars. She wore only one boot, which was untied, and she held a small, unrecognised fur object in her left hand. Her right arm was fully extended, pointing in the direction of Jillowat and the other security guards, with what appeared to be the broken stem of a champagne flute in her hand, the end of which was glowing red, drooping and smoking, as if being blown by a craftsman. Jill took a quick look to his left and right, before wiping his eyes again and checking over his shoulder. The clientele and performers all sat in shocked horror, having been completely surprised by the sudden and violent street theatre. No one looked about to move, but Jill was taking no chances. Let's get the fuck out of here. Now. 